morning. To see all of you in a beautiful day, right? Love summer. Um, could live in it forever. Um, well, it's my privilege to uh, wrap up this series we've titled Life Hacks. And uh, this might be your first Sunday with us, and you might be saying to yourself right now, what's, what's the deal with life hacks? What's, what's a life hack anyway? Well, it's a simple way of doing something that when done adds value to your life. And honestly, I wish I, I wish I had time to show you some funny life hacks. And if you're ever interested in one, you might check with Rob and ask him to sh send you his life hack on, on a whole new way to tie shoes, all right? So they never come untied. Pretty valuable. So uh, anyway, but... If you read the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and that's, this is where this six-week series has come out of, you'll find that it, it, is, it is absolutely full of life hacks. In fact, we counted them to 631 total. And every one of them is a, really a, a brilliant insight on how to live life that's successful in absolutely every aspect. You take, uh, take our lives to another level of joy and fulfillment and really uh, being able to achieve God's purpose for our lives. And so when I, when I spend time choosing which life hacks to include for this series, I included today's because I'm convinced that it's one of the most life-changing things that any one of us can do. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that for some of you this morning, today's sermon might end up, has really the potential to become the most, uh, most significant sermon that you've ever heard in your whole life up to this point. It really does. It has that potential because it could impact the rest of your life. And I'll just say this, the, the younger you are, the better to hear what I'm going to talk about this morning. And it's almost never too late to hear what, I, what I'm talking about. Almost never too late. So, and, and the other thing about it is that what we're talking about really is critical at defining points in our lives. For example, I believe high school is a defining point. College is a, another defining point in our life. You, you get out of college and, and, uh, and you look to get married. That's, that's another defining point. Or you start your career. That's, that's another defining point. So just think of all of those really uh, critical life-changing times in your life. What we're going to talk about today, today's life hack is really critical to it. And here it is, very simple, choose wise friends. And here's how the writer of Proverbs stated it in chapter 13. He said, he, he who walks with the wise grows wise. And of course, she who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. It's the deal. What he's saying is, if you get your, your friends right, those right friends set you up for success in every area of life that matters. And, the, and he's saying the flip side is equally true. If you get your friendships wrong, it will, it will set you up for more pain, more trials, more struggles, and more destruction than you could possibly imagine. So he who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm. Or to say it this way, show me your friends, your close friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me the people you spend the most time with, and I'll clearly show you the trajectory 
of your life. You know, there's a statement very similar to this that I heard years ago and was reminded of this week. And it it goes like this. Looking at your life five years from now, the two most important factors to determine who you will become are the books you read and uh, the people you most closely associate with. I just think there's a whole lot of truth in that. And personally, I'm convinced... I'm convinced that any bit of success in my life is directly connected to God using the right people to lead me toward the right mindset and the right actions. God using the right people to help influence me in the right direction for my life. So that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying and what I'd like to unpack this morning. But before we do, you might just take out your pen if you don't have it out or your pencil or you can do this in your own mind as you think about it, I'd I'd like you to take a moment to list down, write out three to five of your closest friends. Just write their first name, all right, if you got a pen, or just go through it in in your own mind. And, And I'll just say this, if you have a dog, don't include your dog, all right? That didn't count. A list of people that you you could call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, The people you can be transparent with and really who know everything about you, that you have that kind of a relationship with them. So I just want to give you a minute to do that, all right? It'll it'll be worth it. I'll come back to it later, all right? Okay? Just kind of go through those names. Three to five of your closest friends. You you could call them at 2 in the morning. All right? And they would, you know, be okay with you doing that. Three to five of your closest friends. I hope you're doing it in your brain. I don't see you got your pens out. So, all right. Okay. I think you'd agree that most people over the course of their life will end up walking with a handful of companions, a handful of close friendships that become increasingly important as the years go by. And the way I like to think of this, these, these people, in a way, are they're like the VIPs of, of our relational world. In many cases, our lives become intertwined, we care deeply for each other, we have significant influence on each other through the years. Whether, whether we realize it or not, we're deeply affected by our close friends, those three to five people that we wrote down. And this is the heart of what the writer of Proverbs is saying in that verse. He walks with the wise, grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. What he's really saying is, if you walk with wise people in your little huddle of close friends, people with, with purpose in their step, people who are in the right path, path, people who are committed to God's way, then you will gain, you will become wise over time. Almost by the sheer power of osmosis, your friend's wisdom will seep into your life. Their wise judgment will improve your judgments. Their values will enhance your values. Their convictions will influence your convictions. If you walk with the right people over time, it's going to impact in a very positive way who you become. And of course, the writer is saying, 
If you walk with fools, the math works the same way. Your friend's foolishness will seep into your life. Their, their lack of judgment will start to ruin yours. Their, their faulty moral compass will begin to head you off course. If you walk with foolish people, you'll pay, you'll suffer serious harm. Now, I've been a, I've been a pastor for 39 years, and, and when I talk with people, someone whose life is not going well, it's, it's not surprising how often it can be traced back to hanging out with the wrong people, forging friendships with people who are taking them down the wrong path. I've, I, I've seen that more times than I, I wish, all right? So this is really, again, what the writer of Proverbs would say. I just want to really impress us with this. Walk with the wise and you become fools. You become wise. Walk with the wise and you become wise. Walk with fools and you become a fool. So with this in mind, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at four verses in the sixth chapter of Proverbs that I think coaches very specifically as to the kind of people we ought to invite in our little team. And this, this is really kind of fun for me because what we discover is how these verses do this for us in a, in a reverse sort of, sort of way. They, they, they put a red flag on, on people with certain characteristics in their lives that will only bring you down to a lower level spiritually and morally. And, and so what we're going to do is as we work through each one of these, we're going to identify its opposite. And by doing this, I think we can see who to include in our close friendships and who not to include, all right? Now, and as I do this, ask yourself how well you're doing. Compare it to the that list of people that you wrote down, that, that close circle of friends that you have, and ask yourself if there's anybody that you've got on that list, anyone in that circle who's the wrong person to have in that circle of close friends that you've got. So here's the verses, and it's really fun for me to discover this, and like, I think this would really work for this sermon. So here's, here, here's the statement. You may have read this before. This is from Proverbs. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Now, right, right away when you read that, it's got your attention, right? I mean, something God hates, man, this, this is no small deal. And this is what it is. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Right? That's, that's the statement. I mean, it clues us in right away what is absolutely detestable to God, what God hates. And so, man, this is, this is no small deal. This is something we really want to pay attention to. So, let's unpack this. So, the first contrast we see it's between those with an attitude of superiority and those who are humble. And the writer is saying to us, give a pass on anyone with haughty eyes. Someone who says just by their eyes, I matter, other people don't. I'm right, everybody else is wrong. And when you listen to this kind of a person, 
It doesn't take long to realize that they're convinced that they, they are always better than everybody else. They, they've always got an opinion on everything, no matter what the subject may be. They love to hear themselves talk. Anybody ever meet anybody like that? Got somebody like that in your close circle of friends? And as, and, and as much as they're quick to point out the failings of others, they're never open to correction themselves. They got a major attitude problem. It's an attitude of superiority, and it's inevitable that it's going to get them into deep trouble. In fact, Proverbs, in, in, in the 16th chapter, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a before a fall. So, what he's saying is, don't walk closely with such a person because their arrogance will just start seeping into your life and if there's anything that we don't want seeping into our life, it's arrogance. And so whenever you see someone like that, stay clear of them. Love them, point them to God, serve them once in a while, but don't invite them onto your close team. On the flip side, we should look for those individuals to have as close friends who are humble and teachable, who instead of thinking that they know it all, recognize that all of life is an opportunity for them to learn more, for them to grow in wisdom. That's number one. The second person the writer says to avoid is someone with a lying tongue. And the contrast here is between those who are deceitful and those who are Truthful. Don't even think of teaming up closely with anyone who has a track record of not telling the truth. Here, here's another verse from Proverbs that emphasizes this. It says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men or women who are truthful. Walk closely with someone who is loose with the truth, and you're going to get your heart broken sooner or later. Walk with someone who is loose with the truth, and you run the risk of getting loose with the truth yourself. You, you can't let it happen. Don't expose yourself to that kind of risk. Point someone like that to God, help him or her, but don't include them in your close circle of friends. And then on the flip side, you want close friends who have a track record of speaking the truth and speaking it in love. Their example calls you to an even higher level of honesty. I got to tell you, top on my list of friends are those who speak the truth in love. The next thing to watch out for, the writer uh, says, is hands that shed innocent blood. And it gives us this contrast uh, between those with a cruel heart and those with a kind heart. Now, it might be easy for us to think that we're right with this one. I mean, we don't have any close friends who are murderers, and maybe most of us don't even know someone who's killed another person. But you got to understand, there's a principle here that covers far more than the physical shedding of blood. The fact is, innocent people can be destroyed in a variety of ways. So it would, I think it would be correct to say that the writer is warning us to stay clear of somebody who's got a cruel heart. Stay clear of anybody who powers up, throws their weight around, who enjoys intimidating other people. Stay clear of those who devalue people around them. The writer's saying, 
Show me a person who's quick to take advantage of someone in a difficult position, quick to stick it to another person, and I'll show you someone you do not want to have on your personal development list, okay? You don't want that person around you. That mean streak could turn on you someday, or worse yet, that mean streak could rub off on you, and you do not want to run, run that risk. Once again, the flip side. Instead of an oppressive, cruel, mean-spirited type of a person, you want someone on, on your team, in your close circle of friends, who has a kind heart, a compassionate, a caring person in the truest sense of the word. The next one is found in this statement in verse 18. A heart that devises wicked schemes and feet that are quick to rush into evil. What the writer is saying is, stay away from anyone who participates in evil and justifies it, whatever that evil might be, whatever that sin is. They're scary people. Stay clear of them. They're only going to hurt you, and if you, if you are around them long enough, in the end, you're going to become like them. So instead of those whose hearts are bent on evil as your close friends, look for high integrity, beyond reproach, no funny business kind of, kind of friends, the, the kind who are going to pull you to higher levels of good in your own life, the kind of friends who are going to lift you into, into new heights of clean conscience living. Next, verse 19. A false witness pours out lies. And the contrast here is between those with a slandering tongue and those with a trustworthy tongue. Really what the writer is saying is, if you know someone who is quick to pass on damaging information about another person, or someone who is unable to keep sensitive information confidential, this is not the kind of person that you want closely for the rest of your life. You don't want them in that close circle of friends. There are, it's fun, you know, you read through the book of Proverbs and it deals with a whole bunch of different subjects and there are so many verses that deal with this whole thing of, of slander and, or gossip because they're really one and the same. And everyone makes very clear to us how wicked it really is to do that. Let me, let me just give you three examples. Uh, this statement, a perverse person stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Or this one, a gossip betrays a, a confidence, so avoid a, a person who talks too much. Or how about this one, telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Now, i got to tell you, if you've ever been on the receiving end of slander or gossip, you know how true that is. got to tell you, everybody, whenever I'm in a social setting with someone like this who does that, I just shut down. I just shut down. I get away from that conversation as quickly as I possibly can. I mean, I just disappear. I don't want to be around that. You simply cannot walk with someone who can't be trusted with what they say about others. And so the writer is saying, stay clear of anyone with a slandering tongue. 
It will keep you from getting hurt, and it will lessen the likelihood that you'll fall into the same kind of pattern yourself. So again, the flip side. Including your list of close friends, people who are trustworthy. Someone you can bear your heart and your soul to with, with complete confidence that it's not going to go any further than just between the two of you. One more person to keep off your team. Verse 19, a person who stirs up conflict in the community or between people. The contrast here then is between those with a decisive spirit and those with a peace-giving spirit. I think we all know what a divisive person is, right? What they do? There's someone who likes to stir up conflict, who blows things out of proportion, who's determined to make the other person pay. <laughs> they always find fault, always find something to pick at. Have a, in fact, have a meeting where, where you're trying to make a decision and come to a consensus, and they're sure to be the person who wants to make something minor a major issue. Have you ever been in a meeting like that with somebody? I gotta tell you, this is not someone with an idiosyncrasy that you and I should tolerate. Proverbs 16, verse 28, again, coming back to that verse, actually makes this statement. A perverse person stirs up dissension. A perverse person does that. So if you know someone who's going around spreading strife, this isn't just a tolerable idiosyncrasy. This is a sign of perversity in that person. This person needs loving confrontation. They certainly shouldn't be in your close circle of friends. See, you and I have to walk through life with full confidence that whoever you have on your team, that whatever kind of conflict that occurs, that person's going to want to resolve it quickly. They're committed to relational peace. They, they can work through problems and offenses quickly. They're a friend with a reconciling, forgiving spirit. So, let's review. All right? And some of these you might be doing, you might say, man, I don't have anybody like that in my close circle of friends. Or you might say, man, I do have. I got three people or one person like that. Someone with an attitude of superiority or they're deceitful or they're mean-spirited or they have a heart that's bent on evil. They have a slandering, gossipful tongue or they have a divisive spirit. Who you want, someone who's humble, Someone who's truthful, someone who's kind, someone who is committed to good, someone who's trustworthy, and someone who's a peacemaker. In fact, you know another way to think of this? Are you the kind of person that other people would want to have in their close circle of friends? You see, the writer of Proverbs is right. He, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Or to say it this way, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me the people you spend most of the time with and I can clearly show you the trajectory of your life. Now, hear me carefully in what I'm about to say, all right? It's kind of my little pastor heart thing. All right, right now, okay? 
I've been a pastor for 39 years. Kind of blows my mind. <laughs> um, and throughout these 39 years, and I've done this myself. I think it's smart to do. You want to, a doctor, you want to, you want to do due diligence, right? You want to f- find the best doctor you possibly can. Or if it's a lawyer or a dentist or an optometrist or an accountant or a mechanic or a carpenter, you know, whatever it is, you, we all do our due diligence on that because we want to get, get the best we possibly can. I've, I've seen people do this while at the same time remaining passive or unmotivated and almost seeming to me uninterested when it comes to diligent searching for those quality people with whom they can walk closely with the rest of their one and only life. And whenever I see that happens, always concerns me, always concerns me. Because I know that having the right friends is going to add more to our lives, really, than than any achievement you attain, any possession you acquire, or any position you rise to. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning is, don't be cavalier about this. Be intentional about selecting three or to five friends who you invite into what I would call your personal development team, all right? <laughs> and with whom you can make commitments and you can walk closely the rest of your life and then open your hearts to each other and challenge and encourage each other, speak truth into each other. See, I think the thing we got to keep remembering is that this is real life we're living right now. This is not the pre-game show. This is it, friends. This is our one and only life. This is, this is our one and only shot that we're going to get at this great adventure called living. And this whole grand adventure that God gave us, God designed it to be experienced in relationship with others. And so I'm really convinced, really, that one of the most critical decisions that you and I face in this life, you know, is who to do the adventure with. Who to do it with. So with all my heart, I just say to you this morning, don't get passive on this one. Don't don't say to yourself, well, I've got too many things to do right now. Identify close friends, everybody. Put it on the front burner as a concern for your life. And it's not too late. But I tell you, though, the earlier you do this, the better off you're going to be. I mean, boy, you know, starting in, I mean, as a child, as a, as a high school student, it's just so valuable. You head off to college, one of the first priorities you want is to build those strong, good friendships into your life. Don't get muddled on this. It's not something to be passive about. Because this is not something that's just going to happen by accident. You've got to be intentional to make it happen. And so I really agree with that life hack. Choose wise friends. Choose wise friends. It just makes all the difference.
Well, next week, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray here in a minute, and then we'll, uh, we'll close with, with worship. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself right now because I, uh, I want to make sure I got the sermon done on time today because the last time I preached, I was like 10 minutes over. <laughs> and I'm like 15 minutes ahead, so it's like... <laughs> anyway... Um, you know, let me, since I got more time, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just make three comments. You know, it's possible to have 101 friends, but they're all on the surface. There's no deep relationship that truly makes a difference. And you never really let anybody into the real stuff of your life. Just, if that's you, you know, I just want to encourage you to get beyond just surface relationships. Or it might be possible, and I, I know people, I know there individuals think this way, that you've simply decided that you don't need other people. In fact, you might even say, if you're really honest, I don't even like other people, you know. And so you've chosen not to have anybody in your close circle of friends. You, no one's been included in the real stuff in your life. And I, I, would, just, I would just say, I think that's a big mistake you're making. And I'm sure there's a few of us here today where it's hard for you to make friends. You're shy. You're a shy person. You know, we're all, we're all different. And some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. I remember somebody telling me once that I was a closet introvert. I'm going like, what? Never heard that before. Anyway, but that's a personal story that I'm just opening up to you. Um, um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons if, if, you, if, if doing that is a struggle for you, that's one of the reasons I'm so glad that we provide small groups. Because that, that can be a, a really good place to be, build friendship with other people. Just a few thoughts there. Next week, we're launching a, a four-week series from the letters of Paul. And if you know Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was someone who was transformed from persecuting Christians, hating Christianity, hating Jesus, to then he encountered the, the resurrected Son of God, Jesus Christ, and he, he became a follower, a passionate follower of Christ. And really, his life did a 360 because he was so captivated by the truth of who Jesus is. And uh, so we're going to, that'll be the next four weeks. And just to let you know, I'm going to be taking three weeks for sermon planning and, and then a week of vacation with Becky to go see Nikki in Washington. So... Anyway, be praying for the guys who are preaching these, these next four weeks. And uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll worship, and I'm still way ahead. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's stand, and, and then we'll pray, and then we'll worship. Okay. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It's such a, such a profound wisdom. And God, we know that what you said is it's really true. A person who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools becomes a fool and really harms himself in a big way. So, Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to, to really be intentional about this, especially by the, the, closest, the closer those relationships get, that we would never... Never allow into our life, in our close circle of friendships, those who 
really are living out the things that are so wrong that we looked at today, but instead that we would, Father, build into our lives those who really epitomize, just live out the way a person should be, the right way to live life. Strengthen us to do that. Strengthen us not to compromise with that. Give us really insight and wisdom. Father, I pray this, really, so that we'll be able to bring you glory. And I pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.